Amen. Does anybody come this morning to sing about the love of Jesus Christ? Let me, let me ask that one more time. Does anybody come in this morning to sing about the love of Jesus Christ? I love the line in that song that says that it is by the grace of God that we get to draw near. There's a verse tucked away in Ephesians chapter 2. I think it's around the 13th verse that literally says that we all were once far off, but have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the reason you're able to draw near is not because you're so cute. It's not because you got money in the bank. The reason you're able to draw near is purely based on the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And that in this room should birth worship. That should birth praise. You could have stayed home and did it, but you came here, so you might as well corporately worship Jesus. Can we thank God for Jesus Christ? Amen. Well, David said in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I don't know if anybody else is glad, but I am glad to be here. Why don't you look at your neighbor and just say, I'm glad to see you. Come on, look at somebody else and give them a compliment. Tell them you look nice, you smell good today. on the word of God, meaning that you're dependent on the word prayerfully when you leave out of here and you go throughout your week. But corporately, when we come together, we are serious about doing business in the word of God. I think I said this uh, maybe last week or a couple weeks ago. You know, you may not know this, but surrounded in this room and in the kids' room, uh, before we painted any walls, before we put down any carpet, we wrote scriptures all over the walls and all over the ceiling and all over the floor. And, and the reason we did that is because wanted to show how serious we were about the Word of God. And I just want to push that to you and pass to you this morning. Never get bored with the Word. Never get bored or tired with the Word of God because it is the, the means in which the Lord uses to mature us. Well, speaking of the Word of God, indulge me and grab your Bibles or your devices or whatever contains the Word of God and meet me in Luke chapter 2. We are in our sermon series, our Advent sermon series talking about what we would say is the birth of Jesus Christ, also known as the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't exist, just pop up and start existing in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but he's existed before all time, and he decided to put on flesh and come down and dwell amongst us. Uh, I'm a little eager, so let me just jump right in. Verse 25, Luke chapter 2, if you're there, if you could just say amen. amen. All right, Luke chapter 2, verse 25, this is what it says. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Verse 27. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when, the parent, and when his parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to 
to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and he blessed him. And he said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. Please underline verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Not only did I underline it in my Bible, I underlined it, drew a line out to the margin and literally wrote dope. So you can do whatever you want in your Bible. That's what I did in mine. Verse 31, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. I want to preach today from the topic entitled Eagerly Waiting. Eagerly waiting. Let us look to the Lord. Father, like every Sunday morning, we come to gather ourselves around your word, but we do so not presuming that we can understand it without your Holy Spirit. Uh, we need your spirit in this room. Would you hover upon each seat in this room? Uh, hover in this room. Hover in the kids' room. Uh, Lord, we just need you. We need your spirit to move. I can't preach without the Holy Spirit, and we certainly cannot hear your words without the Holy Spirit. If Holy Spirit isn't here. This is just a good academic exercise, some good historical information. But, Lord, we need transformation power this morning. And that only happens when the Holy Spirit moves through the word. Would you help us to see Jesus this morning? Help me not to preach myself. Help me not to add to the text or take anything away from it. Pray that Jesus would be our central focus through our song, through our preaching, and through our communion. It is in Christ's name we give glory. Let everybody say amen. Well, last week, Ty and I needed to do some food shopping, and so we got on the train and went down to J Street Metro Tech stop and went to the new Trader Joe's down there right by Fulton Mall, and we got there. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's not a big store, but when we got there, it was packed. There was a lot of people in there, and so we got the cart and started to load it up. We didn't even have to get that much. Got a few items, put them into the cart, and when it was time to check out, I realized that the long was crazy. The, long was, the line was literally wrapped up and down four aisles. And I looked at the line, and you know, me, I'm like, well, I, I'd rather starve to death before I stand in that line. I told Ty, I was like, we fasting today, we just not eating. Uh, but she's a little bit more patient than me, and so we decided that we were going to get in the line. And when I got in the line, I started to contemplate to myself how much time we spend just waiting. You know, we rush through life, and you always are rushing through life to get to the next thing to wait. We wait when we want to see a doctor, when we go in doctor's, uh, doctor's appointments, we wait in the waiting room. When you want to get on the phone and, and, and talk to uh, the operator, you typically have to do that whole touch dial thing. And some of, you know, sometimes you can use the voice situation. I hate that thing. My kids can be in the other room and say something. I got to start all the way back over. But we're literally waiting to talk to the operator. You wait at red lights. You wait at stop signs. We are always, always constantly Waiting. I read a report that came out a few years ago that literally said that over five years of our life, lives are spent waiting. Just waiting. Like you're waiting in lines, five years. There's also a report that said six months of your life you spend waiting at red lights. Consider you literally wait at least five years and six months of your life doing nothing. Just waiting to get to the next thing. And here's what I know about waiting. Many of us in this room hate waiting. We hate waiting, especially you New Yorkers. We like fast paced. We just want to move, get to the next thing. But we don't like waiting. And waiting is awkward for us. Waiting is uncomfortable. If I stop talking for 30 seconds, y'all would be like, what is going on in here? Y'all would look at me like, did he lose his place? Was he not praying this week? Is like, what's going on? Why is he not preaching? And that would only be 30 seconds. But we hate the 
feeling of uncomfortableness of just sitting and waiting. But in our text this morning, we get introduced to a guy that is waiting. There's a cliche that says some things are worth waiting for. It's another cliche that says good things come to those that wait. And if good things come to those that wait, is there anything in your life that you'd be willing to wait your entire life for? What if somebody offered you $10 million, but you could only get it one minute before you die? Like, what good is $10 million if you get it a minute before you die? Well, then the question becomes, what is worth waiting all your life more important than $10 million? Our text is going to answer it this morning. Through the looking at the life of a guy named Simeon, we are going to see what is worth waiting your entire life for. Now, Simeon is not a what we would call um, a, a, a major character. Well, at least we don't think he's a major character. I think today we're going to see that he is. Simeon is, I don't know anybody that's ever been cast in the Christmas play as Simeon. I just don't. I don't know any Christmas carols that sing a song about Simeon. I, you know, we, the wise men are more notable than Simeon. But I'd argue this morning that there is great nutrients we can get out of the word of God today by looking at the life of a man named Simeon, a man that was literally trying to wait his entire life to see Jesus. Let's get a little bit more acquainted with Simeon. Verse 25 is going to give us five characteristics about Simeon, and they're all very important. Verse 25 says this. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Five characteristics Luke introduces us to when it comes to Simeon. Please note, Nobody else in Scripture talks about Simeon but Luke. Matthew doesn't talk about him. Mark doesn't talk about him. John doesn't talk about him. All we get is 10 little verses about this guy named Simeon. But in the first verse that we read today, 25, we get five powerful characteristics. Two of them are physical characteristics, and three of them are spiritual. And I'd argue that the spiritual characteristics are more important than the physical characteristics. What's the first physical characteristic we get? He lives in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the, was, the, was the main place you would want to be in Israel. It was the political, it was where the political structure was. It was where the religi- religious structure was. In fact, you read places that talk about, you know, Jesus saying, stay in Jerusalem uh, because the Holy Spirit's going to come. And after the Holy Spirit comes, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. He started in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem, where Simeon is, is where all the action takes place. But more importantly than his location, let us consider his name this morning. Simeon literally means God has heard. Why is that important? Because we'll see in our text today that God does hear Simeon's prayer. And when he hears it, he answers him with the greatest answer that you could ever get. Now, those are two physical characteristics. What are the spiritual characteristics? And I'd argue that they are more intriguing than the other ones. Here's the first one. First spiritual characteristic is that he was righteous and devout. This literally means that he knew his word and he obeyed it. Here's a question I have. I just want to throw it out there. We ain't got to answer it. We ain't got to talk long about it. Are you known for being a righteous and a devout person? That is the characteristic that we get when we get to our boy Simeon. He's an obedient person to the word of God. He's a godly man. Are you a godly woman? Are you a godly man this morning? Second spiritual characteristic is that he's waiting on the consolation of Israel. That's just a fancy way of saying he's waiting to see the Messiah. He's righteous, he's devout, 
but he's a patient man. He's patient because he's waiting to see the Messiah. And God may be calling some of you in this morning to slow down and just wait. Some of you, the busiest thing you could do this Christmas season is slow down and wait. And culture doesn't allow for us to slow down and wait. We are quick. We are hasty. We are impulsive people. But God is calling you this morning to just slow down. Some of you need to make a decision. You're like, I got to make it by tomorrow. Hear the word. Slow down and wait. Just be patient. And we don't like waiting because it's not glamorous. We don't like waiting because it doesn't give attention to us. We don't like waiting because it is uncomfortable. Nevertheless, in our text this morning, there's a man that's willing to wait. And he's willing to wait, crazy thing is, his entire life. Most of us in this room, we'll wait for a little bit of time. Like, I'll wait a week. I'll wait a couple days. But I'm not waiting all my life. Simeon is waiting with an indefinite period. He doesn't have an end date. But yet he is constantly just sitting down and waiting. And our culture says, don't wait. Our culture says, run faster. Do more. Earlier this week with Jay, was Jay-Z's birthday. And, you know, I realized I didn't take a good listen to the, to the 444 album. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to download the album. Now, back in the day, you couldn't just, I had it in seconds. You couldn't just download an album back in the day. You had to get on the train or get in your car, go down to the store, and, you know, get the cassette. Y'all remember the cassette tapes? You, know, you put that thing in the radio, and it wind up. You got to stick your finger in it and do one of them things, or a pencil and rewind it back Back in the day, we could wait more. Nowadays, you have everything you need on that device in your hand called the iPhone. You can find out what's going on in Uganda right now. You can download music right now. You can look at the weather right now. You don't need to get out of your, out of your comfort zone to go find out. You don't have to go look at the news to find out what's going on. You have everything you need in your hand. That pushes us to keep going faster. But what our text says today is that there is a man that was willing to wait all of his life. And I want to challenge you this morning because there's some of you that are on the verge of and you're itching to get to the next thing. Slow down this season. Don't let life pass you by. And oftentimes, whenever God calls us to wait, oftentimes when he's calling you to do something or he's calling you to, to, to do something in his name, the calling is always introduced first with a waiting period. It just is. Like there's always an intermission between what God says and what he does. He never calls you and then you automatically do it. He normally calls you and says, wait. When I got called to plant this church, like I remember feeling and sensing that the Lord was calling us, and it was around 2012. We didn't do anything until 2015. Why is that? Because when he called us, he didn't call us and say, get to it. He called us and said, slow down and wait. And in that process, it allowed me to continue to develop and mature, but it allowed the vision to develop and mature. And some of you are trying to get to that next thing, and God is calling you to slow down and mature. We don't want to say we're immature. But when God is calling you, that is what he's calling you to. A calling to do something is a calling to prepare. And preparation takes you waiting. We don't like to wait, but we do. And here's the crazy thing. Everything I'm able to do now, I was doing in a season of preparation when it wasn't even for me. I was preparing sermon calendars, booking flights, doing reimbursements, making coffee for somebody else because God was developing in me character. He was slowing me down. And some of you, you want to rush right ahead, but you ain't ready. You're undone. 
you need to slow down and wait. And so I, the Bible says that there's a man who was willing to wait. And he's waiting, but he's not waiting to plant a church. He's waiting for something even greater, to see the Messiah. He's waiting to see Jesus. Here's the first couple of characteristics spiritually that we got about him. He's righteous. He's devout. He's patient because he's waiting to see the Messiah. And the last one is so important. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Do you see that in verse 25? That the Holy Spirit. Now, we hear that and we think that that's common. Because nowadays, after Acts chapter 2, you know, Acts chapter 2 is the, the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit falls. Everybody gets, the, everybody that's in the upper room gets filled with the Spirit. Now the moment that you believe, just a quick theological check, the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, you are empowered with the indwelling Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, you are sealed until the day of redemption. And that scripture says, the moment you believe. So we believe in Jesus, you get God living on the inside of you. But before Acts chapter 2, the, the Spirit didn't dwell with everybody. You could believe in the Spirit. That doesn't mean that the Spirit dwelt with you. Can I put some Bible there? There's a few men in the Scriptures that had the Holy Spirit on them, but not everybody did. Joseph had the Spirit on him. Genesis chapter 41, verse number 38 says, Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this? And whom is the Spirit of God? Joshua had the Spirit on him, but not everybody had the Spirit on him. Numbers chapter 27, verse 18 says this about Joshua. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom the Spirit is, and lay hands on him. Daniel chapter 4, verse number 8 says, at last, Daniel came before men in whom is the Spirit of God. David, in, in Psalm chapter 51, he had the Holy Spirit so much that he pleaded that the Lord wouldn't take it. Psalm 51, verse 11, take not your Holy Spirit from me. We sit in this room and read this text and say, that's cool. He had the Holy Spirit on him. But our boy, in, our boy Simeon is favored this morning that the Holy Spirit is dwelling on him because it didn't dwell on everybody at this time. It dwelt and, and, and landed on people for specific tasks and specific responsibilities. And the Bible says this morning, and you know, what we do with the Holy Spirit is we treat the Holy Spirit like it's the force from Star Wars or, or the Holy Spirit is like the stepchild of the Trinity. No, you do realize that the Holy Spirit is 100% God living in you. The Bible says that this man, Simeon, has the Spirit of God, hold the Holy Spirit dwelling on him. Now, here's what we know about him so far. Stay with me. We know that he's righteous. We know that he's devout. We know that he's waiting to see the Messiah, and we know that the Holy Spirit is on him. Here's what we don't know. We do not know his occupation. We do not know what degree he has on the wall. We do not know how much bank money he has in the bank account, because it seems that the scriptures seem to suggest that it wants us to know that his identity is rooted in being a godly person. Here's our problem. Our identity is rooted in what we have on. Our identity is rooted in how much money we have in the bank, your occupation, how you kill it at work. Many of you are known for degrees. My question is, is there any Simeons that are in Epiphany Church that are known to be godly, that are known to be righteous, that are known to be devout, that are known to be Bible readers that are obedient to the word of God? Simeon was known. His identity was deeply rooted in the fact that he was godly. And that's a word for some of you in here today. Let's keep going. Verse 26. 
Verse 25 into 26. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous. He was devout. He was waiting on the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. This is so powerful to me because Simeon believed so much that he was willing to wait. If I was, you know, if I was living in that time and, and I knew Simeon and I heard about this promise, I would have never left Simeon's hip. Like, if you were promised to see the Messiah, I want to be there. Like, I would have been in that temple. Baby Jesus would have been brought in. I would have been laid prostrate right on the ground. Simeon, in our text, believes God so much so that he is willing to wait. Simeon is waiting because he believes God. I know I keep saying it. Let me say it again. Simeon is waiting because he believes God. They say a third time is a charm. Simeon is waiting because he believes God, which suggests to us this morning that waiting is an expression of your faith in God. Some of you are impatient and unwilling to wait for God because you're not waiting on God because you don't have enough faith in him. I know you're like, no, I got faith. I got faith in him. Well, your faith will be fleshed out and how patient you are with what God has promised you. And some of you that are rushing and going and moving, the question you should be asking is, am I impatient because I don't trust in the word of God? Simeon is waiting and he does trust in the, word, in the word of God. Note something else about Simeon in verse 26. This is very important. In verse 26, it says that it was revealed to him. Please circle this word. By the Holy Spirit. In the Christmas story, everyone that heard about Jesus heard about Jesus through an angel, including his own mama. Like how Mary get Gabriel to come. Like she didn't get the Holy Spirit directly come to her. Gabriel came to her and said, the Holy Spirit is going to be going to conceive the Messiah in your womb. Y'all saw last week who came to Joseph, an angel. Who came to the wise men, an angel. Who came to Zechariah, an angel. But not our boy Simeon. An angel doesn't come to him. The Holy Spirit, God himself, comes directly to him. And tells him, which I would say is why he's willing to wait. Okay, pastor, I get it. I'm actually willing to wait if I get a direct word from the Lord. Like if Jesus comes and sits at my table and has dinner with me and tell me what he wants me to do, I'll be patient. Well, I'm glad you said that there are 66 books that are direct words from God to you. Here's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God. All of it. So there's 39 chapters in the, in the Old Testament, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, 1,189 chapters, all direct words from God. Are you willing to wait and be patient in the promises that are promised in this book? Like, do you believe and trust this word? If there's a scripture tucked away somewhere here in Luke that said, in order to get to heaven, you got to walk on your hands. I'm going to find out how to walk on my hands. I'm going to take classes on how to walk on my hands. I'm going to get accountability around me to figure out how to walk on my hands. And the reason I'm doing that is because I trust the word. Do you trust the word of God? Well, here's what I know. Simeon trusted the word of God so much that he was willing to wait. And many of you, your impatience is directly tied to the fact that you don't trust the word. Forget trust. You don't read the word. Can we start, start at, at ground zero? You don't read the word. 
The only time you read the words when you come in, many of you opened up your Bible app today and I said, turn to Luke chapter two. And when you open up your Bible app, it was already on Matthew from last week when we was all together. You haven't read your word at all this week. And I know it's like, oh, you being a little harsh this morning. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, because we cannot mature. If you want to figure out how to be more patient, start with reading your word. Start with the promises that are in your own Bible. I had a flight. Uh, uh, last year, last winter, it was actually around this time, and it was a place that I just didn't feel like going. It was a long flight and a very short trip. Like, I hate those, you know, those trips that's like less than 24 hours, but the flight is like five hours, you know, so it was one of those things, and I didn't feel like going, and, and when I was looking at the weather report on my app, it said that a snowstorm was supposed to come the next day. I was supposed to fly out that morning. Snowstorm was supposed to come that morning. Uh, and so, you know, I don't trust at my weather app. I go to a guy named Lee Goldberg. I don't know if you guys know Lee Goldberg. ABC Channel 7, you should go right to his Facebook now and go ahead and like his page because he is accurate. And so I go to Lee Goldberg. You know, I'm looking at this, looking at this flight. I see that it's not canceled. And I'm like, man, is it going to snow? I don't know. Uh, but I, I trust Lee. So let me look at his, uh, you know, I'm on first name basis with Lee Goldberg. So I trust him. So I go to his, go to his Facebook and I download and, and, and I, I start to look at his stuff. And he's like, uh, it's supposed to start snowing heavy right around the time of my flight. Now, when I saw that, I automatically went to my flight on Delta, and I tried to see if it was canceled, and it wasn't canceled. Now, I didn't doubt. I didn't doubt Lee. I trusted his word so much, I did not pack that night. I didn't set no alarm clock to get up. I didn't check into that flight because I trusted in the words. I literally changed my behavior because I trusted in the words of Lee Goldberg. Now, here's the, here, here's the thing that you got to consider. Whether men are often wrong. But there is a man that is never wrong. In fact, you can find his weather forecast in the pages of your Bible. You will change your behavior based on how much you trust this word. You will be willing to be patient and you will be willing to wait based on how much you trust this word. I need a response. Is there anybody in this room that trusts the word of God? If you trust the word of God... You will trust in the process of waiting. Because the direct word that Simeon got caused him to slow down and wait. Let's get back into the text here because finally, we still haven't, like he's still waiting at this point. We still haven't been introduced to the fact that what he's been waiting for comes to pass. But it does come to pass. Look at verse number 27. Lost my place. Look at verse number 27. It says, And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and he blessed him. Finally, what Simeon has been waiting for actually comes to pass. Now, here's what the text doesn't answer. The text doesn't tell us how long he was willing to wait. It doesn't say that. And, and again, I, I know us in this room. We're willing to wait for a short period of time. But what happens when what is promised has an indefinite period? You don't know when it's going to happen. Simeon is willing to wait. And many commentators will suggest that Simeon is an elderly man. You're going to be, if you keep reading, you'll be introduced to Anna, which is an elderly woman. The Bible says that Simeon is an elderly man. And if he's an elderly man, that would imply that he's probably gotten the word a long time ago and was waiting all his life to see the Messiah. But his patience kicked in. Now, what we do is when we 
don't get what God is promising us, doubt begins to creep in. And when doubt begins to creep in, what happens? We take matters in our own hands. Can I pastor you this morning? I promise you, taking matters into your own hands is never a good idea. It's never a good idea. How long does God get before you fire him? How long does God get before you call him into your office and say, it was working out well, you did some great things here, but I got to let you go. How long does God get before you slip a pink slip on his desk? Simeon waited all his life. How long are you willing to wait? It's a question on the table. And what we do is let's take it in our own hands. He's taking too long. Let me help God out. Remember, Abraham and Sarah tried to help God out. God said, I promise that you that I'm going to make your descendants outnumber the stars. He took them outside. Look up at the stars. Now, your descendants will outnumber that. But years go past and he doesn't have one kid. And what does Sarah do? She gives them the side chick Hagar to sleep with her. We'll get a child out of this. It never works out when you try to help God out. Remember, Samuel did this as well. Saul was, Samuel. Saul was waiting for Samuel to arrive to perform the sacrifice. And what, does, what happens? Samuel gets delayed. And so King Saul tried to act as a priest. And he did the sacrifice and literally lost the favor of God when he did it. He was impatient. His impatience cost him the kingdom. So much so that he falls on his own sword. I'm simply telling you, don't help God out. Slow down and wait for God to do it. Because when you do it, you make a mess of stuff. But when God does it, it's always done right. Here's what I notice in the text, though. Simeon is waiting, and oftentimes waiting feels like God isn't doing anything. But while Simeon is waiting, God was actively working. I'm not trying to be cliches here. I'm being so serious. You know how I know that God was working while Simeon was waiting? Because last week we saw, remember, Simeon was still waiting. He was going down to the temple waiting. But while he was waiting, God had to get Mary pregnant with, with Jesus. He had to get Elizabeth pregnant. He had to get them to come together so that the baby can leave. He had to go to get the, whole, the angel to go down to talk to some sense into Joseph because Joseph's ready to, to divorce Mary. He had to get them from Nazareth into Bethlehem so that scripture can be fulfilled. Oh, but before you get to Bethlehem, let me get a bunch of people to go to Bethlehem so that all the rooms are taken up so that Jesus can be born in a manger, thus fulfilling the scriptures. Oh, but I got to write a Mosaic law to get them, force them into Jerusalem. They get to Jerusalem and finally they get to see Simeon. While Simeon was waiting, God was working. And that's a word to you because many of you think that while you're sitting here waiting, God's in heaven twiddling his thumbs. You think that while you're sitting here waiting, God isn't strategically setting things up. But I promise you, as you are waiting, God is working. Here's the question, though. What should I do while I'm waiting? What, like, how should I occupy my time while I'm waiting? Well, I don't have to answer that. The text answers it. Look at what he's doing. This is so simple that we could have missed it. If we were not paying attention, we could have missed this. Look at verse 27. So simple. And he came in the spirit into the temple. What he was doing while he was waiting was going to the temple to worship. Like it's no coincidence that he meets Mary, Joseph and baby Jesus in the temple. It's not a coincidence. There's nothing deep happening. 
he was doing what he normally was doing, going down to the temple. He didn't live in the temple. He was going down to the temple to worship. And so while he was waiting, he was worshiping. Many of you in here, you're, you're like, man, what should I do while I'm waiting? I feel impatient. I feel like God has me on the back burner. Here's what you do while you're waiting. Continue to worship him. Don't disconnect from the community. Don't disconnect from, from serving because you're impatient, because you're frustrated with God. Keep worshiping. Why? Because Simeon continues to go down to the temple over and over and over again. Let's keep going for the sake of time. Verse 27, and as he came into the spirit, into the temple, and when his parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according with the custom of the law, he took him, talking about Jesus, in his arms, and he blessed God. Finally, we get to hear what he says now. And Simeon says this in verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. That means he was reading his word. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light, for the, for the, a light of revelations for the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Let me lift up verse 30 because I asked you to underline it, so let me lift it up. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Please notice something about what Simeon says here. Simeon does not say, my eyes have seen the one that brings salvation. That would have been a true statement, but that's not what he said. He's not saying, my eyes have seen the one in which salvation comes through. That would have been a true statement, but that's not what Simeon says. Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Basically, he's saying that salvation isn't found through a person. Salvation is Jesus. Like, don't disconnect that. Jesus is not the one that just brings salvation. Everything about Jesus is what salvation is. And many of you in this room have tried to find salvation in many different places, including your own good works. You've tried to find salvation in all the good that you bring. And God, God to let me in because, you know, I got up this morning at six o'clock and I prayed this morning and I tried to be faithful. I didn't cheat on my taxes. I didn't mess around with anybody else. So God, God to be faithful to me. No, salvation is found in one person and one person alone. I know I say it all the time, but it, it, it's so true. So it begs us to say it again. Jesus is not the better of 10 different options. Jesus is the only option. There is no other option. You like we can say Jesus is good, but I'm gonna try Jesus. and I'm gonna try this over here. You try this over here. You're condemned in your sin. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is not only the one that dies on the cross, that cute baby in the manger that's wrapped in swaddling clothes is the one in which is salvation. And many of you in this room, I, I wouldn't be a pastor that's naive to think that everybody came in this room believing in Jesus. I'm just not. I'll say it this way. What I get from the text is this. Don't you dare die without seeing Jesus. Like I don't like some of you come here week in, week out. Some of you go through the through the religious themes and systems of your life. Some of you know when to raise your hand. Some of you go to small group and you know when to interact in the conversation. You've got this thing figured out. Here's my question. Do you trust in Jesus? Have you forsaken your sin and trusted Jesus, not as a check off the list, but as Lord? Is he Lord of your life? He was Lord. And here's what I love about Simeon. Simeon says, I can now depart in peace. In other words, that would suggest to us that apart from Jesus, there is no peace. 
Here's what you get. Apart from Jesus, you get wrath. Jesus goes to a cross and 100% absorbs the wrath of God. You do know that you and God are beefing apart from Jesus. Like, apart from Jesus, like, you and God ain't cool. I know, you know, we often think, like, I'm not a violent person to, G- to, to God. I, you know, I try to do my, my good, and, you know, that it gets me accepted. No, apart from Jesus, your good is hostility. Apart from Jesus, your good is violence. But what we get in Jesus, according to Simeon, is peace. And some of you in here on the verge of taking matters into your own hand, you are unwilling to wait. Some of you in here have not trusted Jesus Some of you in here have trusted Jesus plus a bunch of other stuff. I just want to beg you this morning. In this Christmas season, trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. The curse that hangs over your head, Jesus is able to absorb on the wrath, on on the cross of Jesus Christ. He, He just is. In fact, the Bible says that cursed is he that hung on a tree. In other words, all of the curse that you have, Jesus goes to a cross and takes it on your behalf and then gives you his righteousness. He's born here. He's dedicated here. 33 years later, he dies and gives you his righteousness. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We need strength to wait this morning. That's what we need. In fact, Isaiah will say it. He says that they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength and Many of you in here are ready to give up. You're ready to give up because God has taken so long. And some of you in here, I mean, legitimately, I say this with love in my heart. You just don't know Jesus, man. You know facts about Jesus. But do you know Jesus this morning? Father, I want to pray for every person in this room. Every person that's in this room that does not know you, I pray for them. And the reason I pray for them is, Lord, is is because they can fool us. They can pull the wool over our eyes because we don't see the heart like you see it. But I pray this morning that you would expose to them their deep need for you. We are all closer to death now than we were when we walked in the room. If we died, are we able to say what Simeon said? You may, I may depart in peace now. Lord, I pray for the one that maybe they are a believer and they're just struggling because they're impatient with you. They're impatient with the process. They think that things should be happening now. I pray, Lord, for that person. Because reality is, Lord, you are in this waiting season, you are birthing in us patience. In this intermission, you are birthing in us character. You are birthing in us godliness. You are putting the right people around us so that when we actually walk in what you've called us to, we're ready with accountability. Exposed to us that some of us aren't ready. We need you, Lord, to slow us down and press the brakes this morning. So, Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I pray that we would walk away today and be doers of your word not hearers only, lest we deceive ourselves. May we walk out of here and seriously ask the question, how can I apply the word to wait this morning? Again, that decision that that young man or that young woman has, that they're facing, that they're impulsive about, they have to answer it tomorrow. Help them realize that they need time with you before they answer it. 
Maybe it's a relationship. Someone's waiting in a relationship and they're trying to figure out the next steps. Pray that they would seek counsel from you more than they seek counsel and advice from their friends. Ultimately, Lord, I'm praying, Lord, that we would all see Jesus and that we'd all depart in peace and our lives would be fulfilled because we saw Jesus. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let everybody say amen.